Thanks again for having me tonight. It's such a privilege to preach here at Home Church. I just want to say the um, this, the missionaries that you guys support, uh, the Gorries, uh, for some of you might know, they're my parents-in-law, so my wife's parents. And um, I don't know if you've seen any of their updates recently. They've been doing some crazy things. Uh, Norm has been going out on missions out to the, out to the bush, desert kind of area, and... Uh, Recently, he went out and there was a funeral in one of the places he went to. They were having a funeral for one of the elders in the village. And he asked them if he could share a message at the funeral of this place we'd never been to before. These people never heard about God before. And he preached the message of Jesus and what he'd done to overcome the grave. And these people were amazed and they wanted to hear more about it. So uh, they're doing great stuff. So keep praying for them. There's lots of good things happening over there. Well, I've got a question for you. Have you ever been absolutely certain about something? Have you ever had absolute confidence about something? When I was younger, this is many years ago, I used to do athletics, little athletics. Any of you guys do little athletics? Yeah, yeah something. Yeah. Um, I used to do sprinting. That was my kind of favorite thing to do. And at one stage, I got pretty good. I used to do these uh, gala days, which was like a monthly competition where you'd see people from all different clubs who'd come together, and it'd be the same guys we'd see every every month. And at one stage, I got so good that when I turned up with a group, we'd all kind of chat before the race, and me and all the other guys in the race would be absolutely confident that I was going to win. <laughs> it, it was really funny, actually. We all laughed about it, and they'd be like, yeah, we know you're going to beat us, all right, let's just do this thing. I'm like, what's up? She's been working hard, but um, I had absolute confidence. But over the years, I started working full time. I couldn't get to training. I started pulling muscles and I started eating too many hamburgers. And the other guys were getting faster than me, and all that confidence disappeared. Life circumstances took away my confidence. Now, as Christians, we have a confidence. We have a confidence that can never be taken away. It can never be removed by life's circumstances. Even in the face of suffering, severe suffering, Christians can be confident that God is working in us and securing our future. We can be confident. Now, that's what we're thinking about tonight. But so far, the story in Romans has been, chapter 1, God's wrath was revealed against ungodly sinners, his judgment. By chapter 3, we saw that God justifies ungodly sinners. That's you and I. He declares us righteous before him. And we ask, how can God do that? How can God let guilty sinners like you and I be declared righteous? And we see in our chapter today that it's because Christ died for ungodly sinners, you and I. We are justified, declared righteous by faith in Jesus, sacrificing himself for us. Now, justification, that word justified, it's a big word, It's a legal declaration. It's like the the judge saying, I declare you righteous. So God is saying of us, I declare you righteous, innocent, before me. Now, justification isn't just kind of, you're righteous, see you later. But justification is the beginning of a relationship that has its end point in heaven with God. I'll say that again. Justification is the beginning of a relationship that ends in heaven with God. Just have a look at the way Paul starts this chapter. Look at verse 1. He says, Therefore, now every time you see a therefore, you know there's a big point coming. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, 
And he's going to go on to say, you have a new reality that changes everything. This new reality we have is that we have peace with God, we stand continually in his grace, and we have absolute assurance of our future glory with him. Now we're going to be thinking about those three things and thinking about how that new reality affects the way we live in this messy and broken world. So let's have a look together. Firstly, we have peace with God. Verse 1, check it out. It says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice here that it's not peace from God. It's not this kind of peace and quiet that God gives us, like, oh, off you go, you can just sit and relax and take it easy. But it's peace with God. It's a very relational term. See, God, through Jesus, has forgiven us our sin. The, the thing that was standing against God, creating hostility towards God, God has forgiven and reconciled us to himself. He's made us now his friends. There's no more anger, no more hostility, no more war, no more judgment against us. Just reconciliation, friendship, peace. The second thing we have is that we now stand in God's grace. Have a look at verse 2. It says, We also have obtained access through him, by faith, into this grace in which we stand. Now, in the Old Testament, people couldn't just walk up into the presence of God. You couldn't just presume to be good enough to get into God's presence. There was a in the temple, in the Old Testament, there was a special room where God's presence and his kind of special grace and favour dwelt. And only certain people wearing certain clothes on certain days of the year were able to get in there. And only after giving a sacrifice for their own sins and sacrifices for all the people. There was a barrier. It was covered by this huge, big, thick curtain. It was a barrier not letting you in because our sin was standing in the way. Now what Paul's saying here is, through Jesus' sacrifice in our place, he has broken down the barrier. Jesus has ushered us into the continual grace and favour of God. Through him, we are now continually accepted, continually treasured, continually loved. When God looks at us now, because of Jesus, he sees us as he does his own son. So all the things God thinks about his own adored, loved son, Jesus Christ, he now thinks about us. He thinks about you that way. What a state to be in, right? There's no, I don't know what your uh, Facebook status was this week, but God's status for you is in his grace. And there's no better status to have in life. No better place you'd rather be, no better job you'd rather have that in the continual grace and favour of the God who holds the universe in his hands. Now that's not all. Not only do we have peace with God now, and not only do we stand continually in his grace, but we who, as chapter 3 put it, fall short of the glory of God, now have absolute assurance of being in the glory of God. Have a look at verse 2. The end of verse 2, he says, We rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, this rejoicing that Paul talks about here, um, there's a few different words that he could have used to, to put here, but this rejoicing is kind of this confidence. This confidence that 
when you know you're definitely going to get what you hope for. Now, you might know this experience back when, when you were younger kids, some young kids here, and, um, and you asked your parents for a Christmas or birthday gift. Now, when we were kids, we used to know where mum hid our birthday and Christmas presents. They were in the cupboard in her room. And so after we told her what we wanted, kind of circled in the, in the catalogue and made sure she knew which one to get and where to get it from, the right model, all those things, we'd be checking the cupboard from time to time to see if she bought it yet. And after we saw that it was there, and it was only a matter of time before it was going to be in our hands, we would be rejoicing in the hope of the glory of enjoying that gift. It was a sure knowledge. We were so confident. I can remember the feeling of walking away from the cupboard after seeing the gift, just thinking about all the ways I'm going to use this new gift, like it was already mine, experiencing it right there and then. Now, that's the confidence that we have of enjoying the future glory of God. It's that sure. It is ours. Now, you might ask the question, well, what is this glory of God? What are we hoping for? Now, the glory of God is the end goal of all Christianity. It's the time when God has judged and done away with everything that is evil and wrong in this world. It's when God puts all things right and makes all things new. It's the experience of being with God after all that's happened. It's heaven. I don't know if you've ever stood before, uh, kind of at a lookout, and looked out at a huge mountain or a, a valley, and just being struck with the awe of its glory. Some of you might have been up to Katoomba recently, I just... Looking out of the vast just kind of blows you away. Well, the glory we're looking forward to is standing in the presence of the one who brought all that into being by speaking a word. It's when God does away with all sin. There's no more sin. No more sickness. No more death. Depression is not there. Anxiety is not there. There are no security alarms. There are no jails. There's no late-night news stories about crimes. There's no more crimes. There's, we don't have to lock our doors anymore. Nothing will be stolen. There's no more suffering. No more death. Just stop now and think about all the things that won't be there anymore. As I looked out this morning, I saw many people were wearing glasses. No more glasses. You'll have perfect vision. There'll be no doctors. There'll be no medicine. No ambulances. Sorry, Harley, whenever you work for you to do. <laughs> no tissues for tears. No funerals. No coffins. No arguments, no more sadness, no more pain, no more war, no fighting, no busyness, no more worries. It will be perfect, and we will be perfect, and we will be with God in His perfect love and grace and glory, and it will never end. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to being there. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. That's the hope 
that we rejoice in and are completely confident in now. Now, Paul knows that if there's one thing that causes us to doubt that future, it's the experience of suffering in our lives and in the world. It's one of the things that most people question about God when they think, well, if God's there, why is there so much suffering in the world? The experience of suffering causes us to doubt any kind of suffering, whether it's relationship issues, whether it's death, sickness, persecution, whatever it might be, anything that comes from the brokenness that came from sin throughout the world from the beginning. I know lots of things cause us to doubt God and to doubt you know, the truth of history and all that sort of stuff, but none like suffering, and personally. Suffering can make us doubt God's love, His plans, we doubt His word, we doubt our own faith, we doubt our hope. And I know some of you here have experienced suffering in very real ways. And if you still suffer in very, very real ways, and in no way do I want to minimize that suffering that you know and experience. But my hope is that this passage will strengthen you to endure suffering with an even greater hope of that future glory. Now, Paul knows our doubts. I think that's why he writes this very passage. But he reassures us that even in the face of suffering, we can be confident. Look what he says about our hope in verse 5. He says, This hope will not disappoint us. It's not wishful thinking. It's not the kind of hope that Minch and Reheat have when they turn up to a soccer game. Now that's a false confidence. That's a hope that has often disappointed. But the confidence we have is certain. It's not like that. But how can we be sure that it's certain? Have a look at the rest of verse 5. He says, Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For those who believe, God has put the knowledge, the reality of his love into our own hearts by his Spirit. He's made it a real experience. But we might ask, what is that love? What is that thing that he's poured into our hearts? It's the truth, the amazing truth, that Jesus Christ laid down his own life for us. That's God's love. Have a look at how he spells it out in verse 6 to 10. In verse 6 he says, For, when you see a four, you know he's going to explain something. For, while we were still helpless, that is, when we were unable to save ourselves, at the appointed moment, that is, while we were in that helpless state, Christ died for the ungodly. That's us. Paul says, verse 7, For rarely will someone die for a just person, though for a good person perhaps someone might even dare to die. A friend of mine uh, recently, his, his name's Ben, you might have heard about it in the news, uh, he recently lost his life trying to save a friend of his from being beaten up by her ex-boyfriend. He was stabbed in, the, in trying to help her. He, it was a heroic and sacrificial act. He gave himself in order to rescue her and was killed in the process. It was a, a great sacrifice. Now she now knows that he loved her. It was a great act, but God's love is greater than that. My friend Ben died trying to save a friend from an enemy. But Jesus died for us who were his enemies. No one does that. That's amazing love. Have a look at how he spells it out in verse 8. But God proves his own love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And he's going to tell us here why we can be sure about our hope. Much more than, verse 9, since we've now been declared righteous by his blood, we will be saved through him from wrath. That is, from the judgment that's coming. Verse 10, for if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life, that is, his resurrection? Paul's saying, to try and make it clear, when the, you, you can't let life's circumstances stand in the way of God's love for you. Don't let your life circumstances, suffering, or anything else that you might experience let you think that God doesn't have love for you or won't come through on his promises for you. God's saying, you need to look back to the cross where you see me saying loud and clear, that's how much I love you. That's how much I care for you. And that's how much I have a future for you. That's where we see it, loud and clear. See, the argument is, since he was willing to die for us when we were his enemies, how much more, now that we're his friends, is he going to be willing to save us? And the answer is, so much more. We can be absolutely confident this hope won't disappoint. Now, not only does Jesus' death and resurrection give us absolute hope for the future, but in verse 3 and 4, he says that hope that we have for the future, that rejoicing we have, that confidence, we can have even now in our sufferings. And that's because suffering produces growth. Have a look at verse 3 and 4. It says, And not only that, but we also rejoice in our afflictions, because we know that affliction produces endurance, endurance produces proven character, and proven character produces hope. You see, as Vegemite is the byproduct of beer yeast, and as soy milk, is the byproduct of tofu. So, Christian growth is the byproduct of suffering. God uses suffering to grow us in Christian character and hope. Now, that's the opposite of the way we usually think about suffering, isn't it? How do you normally think about your own suffering in whatever form it comes? I think often we can think about suffering in a few different ways. Sometimes we think that it's a kind of form of judgment on us, that God is punishing us for something we've done. When we face a kind of suffering, we often think, God, why are you doing this to me? What have I done to deserve this? Or on the other hand, sometimes we can completely separate God from suffering. and kind of think, well, this isn't God's doing. This is just an experience. It's separate from God. It's kind of the dark forces in the world that are coming against me. It's not God. It's separate. And we can often think all suffering is bad, and we want to escape suffering at any cost to get back into the kind of easy, cruisy life we had before. Is that kind of how you thought about it before? God doesn't see it that way. Let me just say clearly, suffering in itself isn't good. But what suffering produces is good. We're going to hear a bit more about that in a moment, but let me just try to give you an analogy that helps me think about suffering. Um, Many cars are made these days with turbos on. I don't know if you know how a turbo works, but uh, they put these on a lot of cars these days for fuel efficiency. Actually works, but... Let me tell you how a turbo works. A turbo takes the exhaust fumes from a car, so that's all the waste and rubbish that the car's kicking out the exhaust. It takes the wasted fumes and pumps them into this turbo, 
which spins a fan and brings in fresh air to pump back into the engine to boost the car's performance. It uses the waste to boost the car to help it go better. Now, Christian suffering is kind of like God's turbo. God uses the waste and the brokenness and the rubbish of this world to boost us, to fuel us, to become more godly now, and to boost us to get to where we need to be, to get to our final destination. It creates more godliness now and more hope for the future. It's just a helpful analogy to think about when suffering comes. Think, this is God's turbo in my life. Now, to help us think about what it looks like for us to grow through suffering, I'm going to invite Paul Hallamup to share with us a bit about um, his own story um, for the last little while. I'm going to put seats here. Let's welcome Paul up. Um, so if we just go to our next slide. Um, so many of you will know, but some of you might not know, that Paul is my brother-in-law. He married my sister many years back. And I gave him a bit of heat for it back then. Um, but uh, Paul was very instrumental in me coming to know Jesus. He, he copped a lot of slack. I remember the questions, yeah. <laughs> um, and I wasn't listening very well, but uh, Paul worked very hard at that. Now, some of you may also know and not know that Paul used to be on staff here for a while. Um, was working in ministry full-time. But um, since then, you've gone through a heap of stuff. Now, you want to just tell us about... Yeah, some of that journey. Yeah, so I was uh, I've been in ministry for about ten years. Uh, from uh, that was from doing yeah, apprenticeships and training in college, and then uh, I was minister here at church for almost five years. Um, and I, I really enjoyed ministry. I loved working um, yeah, here at church, but uh, at the same time, uh, I was I really struggled uh, with it. Um, I. I was in the sort of situation, I guess, towards the end where I was able to do the job and, and you know, I was running groups, I was preaching sermons and, uh, and everything, um, but it really impacted, uh, had a big impact outside of, of work. Um, so I guess as an example, I used to, uh, I looked after the youth group here and um, I would get down here for church for about, usually about 6.30 and... Uh, before youth group, I would pretty much just be in bed, <laughs> uh, dreading coming to youth group. Uh, I'd wake up about 6.25 <laughs> and come down to youth group, to youth group, uh, then go home and um, and then have a, a pretty hard night. <laughs> just crash. Um, just crash, yeah. Uh, and it got to the point where um, I couldn't keep doing that anymore. Uh, actually, there was a point where I couldn't do a job anymore. Uh, I couldn't write talks, I couldn't uh, talk to people, um, and I ended up yeah, having to finish up uh, here at church. Uh, I was diagnosed with um, social anxiety and, and depression that came uh, along with that. Uh, just to clarify, uh, social anxiety, is, it's, not, it's not that you feel anxious all the time. Uh, or generally about stuff like um, there's different types of anxiety uh, disorders, and uh, so so it's not that I'm worried about you know everything and anything, um, but social anxiety is sort of an anxiety that shows itself up uh, in social situations, so um, you know parties, church, 
um, anything that involves people, family, uh, family stuff, um, and also work situations. And so, you know, you've got to give a presentation for work, or you, um, you know, you're worried about your performance at work, and anything where you're being evaluated. Um, and of course, like anyone feels you know, nervous when they're being evaluated uh, at work or something, but um, this is more when it's you know, irrational or, or sort of, you know, beyond the norm. So when there's nothing to really be afraid of, but there's a fear there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so I um, so I finished up here at church and we moved house and um, the next sort of, so that was in 2014. Uh, and the next few years have been sort of up and down and uh, I'll talk more about some of that in a minute. Um, and then I guess to bring us to today, at the moment I'm so I'm working in uh, graphic design and uh, illustration. Uh, so I work part time uh, and uh, here at church, <laughs> and, yeah, which is good. Um, so yeah, so, so so there has been a bit of a, a journey in there. Um, yeah. Now, um, so Paul does a lot of stuff at the front here. In the morning service, he leads the music, and you obviously do stuff. I here. Yeah, I come every now and then for yeah. that. Um, and but, even yeah. even just before we at the front here. Is a huge growth from what happened initially, and so um, to help us think through this kind of process, as you see on the screen here, um, Paul says to us, Paul the Apostle Paul says, "Sometimes, sometimes, that affliction, which is like suffering, produces endurance. Endurance produces char character, and character produces hope." So I want to ask Paul through that um, difficult time. How that produced for him endurance and character and hope, and we'll talk through each one. Um, so, firstly, I'll ask. Um, so, that kind of session has been a long time; it's still in the process, but there has been growth. But in, in what ways have you had to endure yeah. through that time? Yeah, uh, it's been it's been one of the hardest parts of my life. Um, yeah, particularly the last five years, there have been some really, really low points uh, in there. Uh, I mean, even just in terms of what happened, um, our life, my, so I'm married, I've got four kids, um, our life, lives, just totally changed. Uh, we went from um, being heavily involved in church uh, to, you know, for a while, not even going to church, um, to, you know, we moved house, uh, there were financial issues that uh, came there as well. Um, there were, there were, it was a, it was a real big big change. And um, but even for me, like it was, uh, I just couldn't cope <laughs> with life. Um, it's just normal stuff that I don't know if if you don't have anxiety, you probably don't even think about it at all. Just normal stuff uh, like uh, I. I I was scared to go to Mount Joy shops um, because I was I was uh, worried that I would see someone who I knew at the shops and I had to talk to them. And if I talked to them, what would talk about? Uh, if I didn't talk to them, what would they think? Would they think I was being you know, you know, snobbing them? Blah blah. blah. Uh, there was a lot of that. Uh, I there, were, there was a period where I couldn't even um, I struggled to buy a cup of coffee from like a coffee shop because I would. Um, be nervous about fumbling with the change <laughs> and, the, and what would the person at the, the um, counter mm. think about me um, 
you know, some nerdy guy <laughs> can't get his money together. I don't know. Uh, sounds a bit silly. Um, yeah, like, uh, I couldn't I couldn't cope with the kids. Uh, so like the kids would just be doing normal stuff, and I'd be um, I'd, I'd just go off, you know, or and um, yeah, to the point where they'd have to sort of you know, walk on eggshells, sort of thing. Um, and yeah, I, I missed out on. Uh, family gatherings. Uh, it was, I mean, it was Christmas that uh, I basically spent Christmas <laughs> Christmas Day in bed uh, by myself, and everyone else was off doing Christmas stuff. Um, but what in 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 all that as well? And, and you've got to remember, this is a door. It's not all the same. It's up and down. Um, and so sometimes I was like, felt really good, and then. And other times it would go down, uh, and at some of those really low points, uh, there was, I was in some pretty dark spots um, mentally. Um, and so when I was awake, uh, I would uh, I would be in bed, uh, unable to face anything, uh, and just over in my head, sort of sort of thoughts of uh, that I'm I'm hopeless, uh, that nobody likes me, uh, that I'm alone, that I'm a loser. Uh, that my family would be better off if I wasn't there, uh, that my wife would be better if, uh, if she'd never married me in the first place, <laughs> and, um, and that I, yeah, that I hadn't existed, so to speak. Uh, there was that sort of stuff there, um, and that made me just want to go to sleep. Uh, and so there were lots of times when I'd sort of, I would really just think myself to sleep, to escape and just exhausted. Um, and I want to sleep all the time, but you can't sleep all the time. <laughs> it's just physically impossible. And so you wake up and then you feel the same things again, feel bad because you, you know, like my wife's been dealing with all the kids and I've been sleeping all day and then it all sort of kept going. Um, and I guess what helped me to endure in all of that, um, so people, people was a, a a big one. So my wife was, um, so Carolyn was, you know, incredibly supportive. And then she, you know, it's really hard being married to someone or being a brother or a sister to someone who has mental illness. Mm. Um, and it's frustrating. Like you, you probably, you know, sometimes you probably want to smack me in the head. <laughs> um, but she was really, yeah, really, really supportive. So just to be sure, uh, enduring... Doesn't look smooth. No, not at all. Uh, um, it's quite messy. Yeah, yeah, definitely messy. Um, people uh, as well. So the church. Uh, so I eventually came back here um, for church, and um, and that that took a bit of time as well. How long after was that? Yeah. Uh, so I I started coming back here maybe a year after. Um, but and some of you might remember uh, I was sort of coming. Um, partway through the service and then leave straight away <laughs> before uh, supper. So because that's what I could do. And even that was a, um, a hard thing. But what helped me in that was um, people were genuinely glad I was here. Uh, and and I yeah, um, I realised people didn't look, just want to be my friend because I'm a minister. You know that, that can some, that can play. I think for ministry, uh, you think oh the only reason you're talking to me is because I'm a minister. Um, but I, yeah, I, I'm, I'm thankful that that wasn't the case here. Um, but ultimately, you know, God 
is the one who helps me to endure, um, to keep going through it. Because I, I was worried at the point um, that I would leave Jesus. And, um, and there were a couple of verses in the Bible that really stood out to me, and I sort of held on to. Um, uh, Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, verse 8 says, uh, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And for me, um, that was, I held on to that because that is, yeah, Jesus doesn't change. And I, I was like all over the place. Like I, I was changing, you know, one day I'm like this, another day I'm like this. Um, but Jesus is the same. He's, he's stable and constant. Um, and he's, he's, he has died on the cross. He has risen from the dead. He has... He's promised that he's with me, and that doesn't change. Yeah. Um, but the other one was um, Philippians chapter 1, where Paul says, um, this is verse 6, I'm sure of this, that God who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, and that, that for me was helpful because God opened my eyes to see who Jesus was. And in this verse, you know, the Apostle Paul <laughs> says that God will finish what he started. And, and so I, there were, there were times when I was just in bed completely sort of, you know, helpless and all these thoughts and everything. And, and it was just like, God, please, you know, you know stick with me, you know, uh, finish what you started. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 So, great. Yeah. I hope it's such a big dependence on God to that time, just kind of mm. stripping everything away from you. You had to trust him. Um, now, everything was flipped over, yeah. and, but... Um, Forcing you to endure. How through that time did, did you see, or even as a fact, do you see that God was shaping your character? Yep. Um, yeah, I think lots of ways. One of the big ways I think is I've I've grown in understanding of myself and what I'm like, what I think, uh, how I sort of operate, and um, and so I I came to realise that I had an unhealthy dependence on uh, what other people thought of me. Mm-hmm. So that is my, uh, yeah, if, if, other, if people were thinking well of me, then, I, then that was yeah, a good place to be. Mm-hmm. If, I was, if people were not thinking well of me, or, uh, then that's where um, yeah, I depended on, on, mm-hmm. on that, and, and which led to me to be scared, uh, essentially. Uh, I was scared that I would um, make a mistake, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's in ministry or... Um, socially, or something that people would um, would reject me, um, not like me. Um, would I, I? I was scared that I would do something wrong, not not on purpose. Like I, I don't think I'm the sort of person that's gonna, yeah, yeah. Um, do that. I'm not evil, <laughs> um, but whether it's by accident or unwittingly uh, offend someone, or, or that someone thinks, you know, some negatively about me, and so because of that. Uh, I, I had like, or any sort of, um, I had to make sure that I did stuff well. I had to put on this thing of, yes, this, thing, this is before, this is before, this is before, yeah, this, this is when I was working in yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the ministry, that I had to, um, I had to be confident, I had to make the right decision, I had to um, deal with stuff well, yeah. uh, and I couldn't make a mistake, I yeah. couldn't, yeah, that's sort of like putting on a face that you felt like needed to be there for the sake of what people were thinking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so where I've grown then is from understanding that about myself, 
is well, first I had to deal with that, <laughs> and I have been dealing with that, uh, not being as dependent on other people's opinions, mm. um, but also uh, being more honest with people. So, um, you know, when, when I finished up here at church, like everyone knew I was a lot, you know, it's sort of quite public, um, and I've been trying to be more honest about myself, my things I'm struggling with, um, and not trying to, yeah, appear, putting that pressure on uh, to appear, you know, uh, altogether. Yeah, you know, having it to sell. Um, I feel like I've been challenged to grow in self-control and patience. Um, uh, and and that's, that's particularly hard when I'm in a, in a down sort of time. So some people are either, you know, when you get anxious, uh, you either fight, you know, go and fight someone or you run away. Uh, I tend to run away. Um, and, and that can be really hard, but, you know, even now, um, with family especially, uh, that, you know, I you know, have a bit of a, ah, and then go off to bed. <laughs> um, and it's hard to fight against that when you, when you are anxious, like when you're really anxious. Um, yeah, so that's something I'm still growing in. Um, but you have seen like, ways that you've, yeah. Yeah, 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 definitely. Definitely, so I've yeah. grown in that, but it's, it's still not there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I've grown in my awareness that I need God <laughs> every day, really. Um, because tomorrow I could wake up, I've got work tomorrow, I could wake up and, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, that could happen. And yeah. So, and it may happen, and, and, it, and when it does happen, I need to ask God to give me the um, his energy to get up and, mm-hmm. and do the things I, I need to do. Um, but I need that every day. Yeah, uh, yeah. like a rightful dependence. It's always there, but you kind of are just trying to push away somehow. Yeah. Um, in in what ways, um, in all this, has this driven you to, to hope? Mm-hmm. In, yeah. yeah. In the um, yeah, I, I guess, for me, every, every day has an element of struggle to it, um, and all of us have struggles every day, right? but um, uh, for me, there'll be stuff that for, for many people is not a struggle at all, uh, but for me, it, it's a real struggle, uh, and it goes up and down, like I mentioned, um, and sometimes when you do this sort of thing, you've feel like it's never going to end, mm. uh, that, uh, that, you know, for the rest of my life I'm going to have uh, social anxiety and I'm going to be like this and I'm going to be, and so on, um, but it's never going to end. Mm. Um, but that's not true. <laughs> um, but it, it, it does even flow, mm. and there, but it, there will come a day when I won't have any anxiety, mm. that all of my social relations with people... There will be, there won't be that voice in the back of my head, or, or I won't be analysing the conversation. Yeah, when I go home, <laughs> what I said, and how did that person think about that? Um, that when Jesus returns, it's all going to be gone. Yeah. Uh, and so I'll, I'll want that. <laughs> uh, I want That's what I'm hoping for. Um, and daily, that's a reminder. Yeah, de- yeah. yeah definitely, definitely. Uh, and then in, in terms of, uh, as I mentioned before. Um, that hope—that's all certain because God doesn't change. Jesus doesn't change. Um, Jesus has died on the cross. Uh, I am justified. I—I I am one of God's children, uh, and uh, He has been working in me, transforming me, and He will keep doing that. And and 
when Jesus returns. Yeah, I will be uh, in glory with him, yeah. and so that's uh, so I'm certain of that. Yeah, yeah, amen. Um, let's thank Paul for sharing with us. Yeah. Now, uh, even just Paul, as I said earlier, is a testament to God's faithfulness in growing Paul in character and in hope and um, and transforming Paul through that experience. Uh, and many of you maybe have experienced a similar thing or maybe you can associate with some of the stuff Paul said. And um, by all means, if you want to talk to me or Paul afterwards, come and chat to us. Um, it's, it's just so encouraging to see that growth happening, but, um, but we're all a work in progress, like Paul. And uh, it's not just for this, this life that God works on us, but it gives us a short hope for the next. Now let me sum up for us. What Paul, the Apostle Paul, is trying to make very clear to us in this passage is that because of what Jesus has done in the past, we are in a relationship with him now, and our future is totally secure. If you walk away with anything, walk away with that tonight. Now, all this is experienced by faith. It's received by trusting in Jesus. And maybe you're here tonight, maybe you know that you don't have that certain hope, and maybe you want it. Maybe you're here tonight and you've realised that you don't know God's love personally in your life and you want to. And so let me urge you tonight to put your trust in Jesus because death and judgment are games to be played with. But God has done everything that we need for us to be made right with him, for us to have a secure future, and, and God has promised that he'll walk with us through our suffering, keeping us sure to the end where we're going. So if that's you, accept what Jesus has done for you today. Now, if you're here and you are a believer, then the question for us is, are we willing to let our suffering grow us, or are we always trying to resist that growth? What's your usual response when suffering comes? Whatever it may be, whether it's that annoying person at work that you have to deal with all the time, whether it's a relational issue here at church, whether it's some kind of sickness that you work through, whatever it might be, how do you usually respond? I wonder if anything like me, your first response is often complaining, bitterness, maybe some anger at God, why are you doing this to me? Questioning. Our first response often is to try and fix the situation, try and get away. But shouldn't our first response after seeing the way God works in us be to pray and ask God to grow us through this suffering and to trust that he will? You know, we can't always see what God is doing in our lives, but we can know for sure that he's doing something, that he's always working in us. And sometimes it's not just for right now, but it's to build up hope for the future. The question is, are you willing to let God grow you? Now, the Apostle Paul was no stranger to suffering. He went through it all. He was beaten. He was put in prison for his faith. He went through being persecuted for his whole life. He was stoned to death at one point, but yet survived. He was starving, he was sick, he was travelling daily, he was weighed down by his past sins, he went through it all. But listen to how he reflects on his suffering in light of the future glory that he was hoping for. And we'll end with these two verses. Just listen to how he reflects on his own suffering. He says, for our momentary light affliction. Now, it's just interesting that the Apostle Paul says that after what he went through. He says, it is producing for us an eternal, sorry, an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory for that future. 
And he says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Let's pray that we would have the same attitude.